Do you know that co-host that just has some bad games in their collection? Ha, we do. Welcome to Tabletop Shop. Welcome back to the Tabletop Shop Podcast. Today we're going to be ripping into the other person's game collection. And on top of that, we're also going to delve into yet another Stonemaier game, Cody. Yet another one. I am one of your co-hosts, Nate Clark. And seated across the valley for me is your other co-host, Mr. Cody Pennington. Not halfway across the valley? Uh, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's mostly across. It's most of the way across. Yeah. I mean, so. how wide is the Lamette Valley anyway? Again, the regional content, I feel like, just doesn't really translate well for just, other just people. It just doesn't matter. Of. Okay. Well, hey, it's good <laughs> to be here. Happy to be here. Nate, how you doing? Um, I'm a little I'm a little nervous, but we'll get to that in a second. A little nervous? Um, oh, okay. Let me shoot your, in, you, your intro question here. Okay. Are you nervous because of the intro question? No, nah, it has nothing to do with that. Oh, all right. All right. Um, hear me out, okay? Star Wars reskin... Of viticulture, yes or no? Tell me why. No, 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 no absolutely no. Why? Because because viticulture is just too pure. What is? It? Uh, because IP IP games viticulture is a thing. Just don't do Star Wars. Well, but yeah, the- okay. Here's the, here's here's the deal. Here's the deal. Maybe I don't know. Maybe if you get like some moisture farming going on there, <laughs> you know, you I don't know how that works. Instead of planting vines, you. You put a piece of metal out in the desert and you collect some moisture and then you sell that moisture to people who drink. It definitely could be done. I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it could be done. I think it definitely could be done. Thematically, but should you could it, definitely but should it, it be done? Well, that's the other question, like right, are you just like are you just staining viticulture by doing that? But also yeah, it's, you know, I Star think Wars so. and Star, there's some there's a handful of good Star Wars games out there, you know? But the majority of Star Wars games out there are not good. I'm willing to wager. It's probably true. But if they took on something like that, I mean, Stegmire is going to be involved, right? And so yeah. there's going to be some quality control. I don't know, man. I think I think you need to get some some better uh, some questions. To start hitting us <laughs> off here in these episodes instead of stupid questions like, "Hey, man, what if what if Viticulture was Star Wars?" <laughs> Um, okay, well, maybe we should, that's a good segue into what, to what I'm nervous about, Cody, because this whole intro is just going to be bad, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Hey, have you played any new games that's since ex- we last recorded yesterday? That's exactly what I'm worried about, Cody. That's exactly... No, I haven't. You? What? Have you? What? Oh, oh. I thought you were about to be like, you, 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 but then you didn't. You were just asking if I've played any new games. No. Here's the thing. I ha- it's not that I haven't played any games. But definitely nothing new. So, like, unless you want me to talk about Castles of Burgundy and Terraforming Mars and stuff like that. I mean, I I played a new game called Let's Spend Almost Five Hours Assembling My New PC. Are you using that right now? Uh, No, I'm not because (laughs) I I ended at, like, after 10 o'clock last night and then I was tired because I spent so long. And so the the thing is assembled and functional and Windows is now installed on it, but I need to go through the computer I'm using right now and make up a backup of everything so that mm-hmm. I can transfer it over and then officially start using the new PC. And get this, I named it Applebane. Applebane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I was very proud to do that. That's fair. I was almost just uh, refused a lease on an apartment because the guy found out I didn't have an Apple device. <laughs> How how is that a condition for apartment applications? <laughs> well, he, like I don't think I was actually almost refused, but it, he definitely said it. So oh, okay, I see. Yeah, all right. Enough enough stupid. We haven't even talked about games yet, Cody. Should we just like what, we have we, we have, don't have, we don't have any games to talk about? What, what do you want? I'm what do you want to do? It's a board game podcast. We haven't talked about games yet. So. Okay, uh, quick. Uh, let's talk about um, uh, Shadows Over Camelot. Have you ever played that? It's Bruno Catala, right? That's like one of his original designs. Oh, is it? I, it? Re- I don't. I don't remember who did it. I you think it right. is Catala, man. Catala um, does a lot of stuff. I've never played. It was on your list for a while. I'm interested in it, but the thing is, it's a group only game, mm-hmm. really. Especially if you want to play with a trader, you need like at least four people, if not more. Yeah. And so I played it a few of... years ago, and I don't really remember that much about it. Other than these, these cool swords 
in a table and you do stuff. I'm sure it's a good design. I have no doubt. I don't think it's ever been remade, though. The thing, like the original copies from like what, oh seven or something. I don't know. Somewhere in the it's kind of old. Yeah, yeah. It maybe is. it's due for a reprint. Do you think it was going to follow the Tom Vassell rule of good games will get? A well, new here's print. the thing. I believe the Battlestar Galactica, the board game, is kind of a reprint. Um, it's a similar uh. system, I think, and so in a way, it's kind of a reskin reprint. But that's also old too. That's also like know, over you, 10 years old, maybe you look 15. look at Battlestar, though. I've, I've played Battlestar Galactica, the game, and it's lo- very big. It well, I think a lot it of is, space on the table. I think it's a more extreme version of Shadows Over Camelot, but I'm pretty sure it kind of re-implements the system. Hmm. It's actually 2005. I'm looking at it now. It is Bruno Catala, but don't forget Sergei Laguette. Ah, man, all these French people, man. So many French people. Teaming up, making good games. Oh, Sergei Leggett did Nidavellir, or worked on Nidavellir. Lame. Oh, no, he he was the... Okay, I, Sergei Leggett, I've heard your name before, but I had no idea who you are, and now I'm excited, because you make good games, apparently. So is this our segment where we talk about games that we haven't played this week? This <laughs> yeah, new, new, <laughs> new segment that we're going to start supplementing. We're, when we record on a regular basis now, we're not going to have any new games to talk about. But here's the thing. Eventually, we're going to run out of games of the week. Like, if we're doing... Now that we're doing uh, an episode a week, that's 52 episodes a year. That means we basically have to be playing, both of us, 52 new games. Not not like 100, 104 games total. Both of us need to be playing the same 52 games a year. You know what, Cody? We'll just, we'll just, you know what I'm saying? We'll just cross that bridge when we get to it. Okay, sounds good. Maybe <laughs> now, we'll start. We'll start each bringing our own game of the week to present. Oh boy, it's gonna. It's and then gonna we'll just crazy. sit there and listen to the other person. That'll be great content. All right, um, but it, you know what? In the meantime, Cody, we do have a game that we've both played, and both played recently, and we're both excited to talk about it. So why don't we get on over there? I like it. Game of the week. All right, for some reason, Nate is having me take the honor of introducing our game of the week this week, which is a sequel, a sequel game. And I know what you're thinking. Sequel games, are those really any good? Can they be good unless they're already planned, like, you know, a trilogy of games? Like, you've got got your West Kingdom series. I can't really think of any other sequels that exist out there, (laughs) though I know there are more. Do Do you think Seven Wonders Duel could be considered a sequel to Seven Wonders? I don't know what sequel means. Like it's a it's a re-implementation of the system. It's a different version of the game. Do you want to have an additions conversation again, Cody? I'd love to have an additions conversation, dude. We can yeah, we can pull that back up. We're absolutely not going to do that. But All we right. can call this a sequel, I guess. Okay. Spiritual sequel at least. S- Seven Wonders Duel, you're saying? No, no, no. So no. We'll... This game. Well, th- this game. Okay, just spoiler alert for saying what the game actually is. We're talking about expeditions today. But here's the thing, Nate. The we're not just saying it's a sequel. Like, the title says, a sequel to Scythe. So, it is a self-proclaimed sequel. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so, that, that's what I'm throwing at you. Like, if this if this is a sequel to Scythe, then Seven Wonders Duel, faux show, has to be a sequel to Seven Wonders. I'll allow it until I think of a reason to deny it. Hmm. But I guess there is this rising trend of dual versions out there because you've got Duelasaur Island, got Splendor Duel, there's uh, Takedo Duo. So, I don't know, maybe a two-player variant doesn't really count as a sequel, as more of a derivative, perhaps. Derivative, sequel, tomato, potato. I mean, come on, Cody. Yeah, what well, I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to have a conversation here, dude. <laughs> you just you're saying words like tomato and potato. <laughs> I thought we were gonna have a conversation about expeditions, but it's turning into a board banter. What's going well, on? Well, we have here? to establish like what what qualifies a sequel or not. Like, does, well, does Jamie Stegmeyer know what he's talking about? This uh, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, it's at the designer's discretion, right? Or at least the person who's writing a tagline for the game. Okay, so, so it's all subjective then. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let me just point out. Maybe you've got some stuff you want to talk about, but. What I was intrigued by is the fact that it says a sequel to Scythe on the front of the box. But not just that, the fact that it says a sequel to Scythe and not the sequel to Scythe. 
So it's just got mm. me wondering: can we possibly expect more? Is this going to become a series to come out? I don't know. I wouldn't really expect the trilogy. I'd wonder if it's more just a an open-ended series of games. Because now at the top of the box, I don't know if you noticed, but it says 1920s plus, which is the that's like the self-proclaimed name of the Jacob Rosalski universe. Yeah. Right. Of, of, of like that that art scheme that he's been working within. So I wonder if this is now like a licensed board game series potentially. Um, could be. I mean, I don't know if this a lot of times on BGG that'll um, it'll say like what family it falls into. I don't know if that's. Oh, yeah. I'm taking a look here. I, um, so under the family category, it falls into game side. Okay. As a family. That's being called a family now. And so we have um, Scythe, My Little Scythe, and Expeditions. Oh, I forgot about My Little Scythe. I don't yeah. uh, that, uh, that That's just a kid's derivative. That doesn't well, count. Well, but it's still a sequel, right? Like, ju- just as much as a two-player version is a, you know, a variant, kind of. Well, but that's the thing. We're talk- I, I feel like there's a difference between... <laughs> now we're having the additions conversation. <laughs> a difference between sequels and derivatives. Because a lot of games out there now have kids' versions of them. But I'm not going to say like, hey, if you like, you know, Scythe, you're going to love my little Scythe. Like, no, this this is a different version for, for kiddos. Okay. As opposed to what we're talking about today, Expeditions definitely is. In the family of Scythe, it's a, a similar level weight, perhaps, but it's different. I was going to keep arguing the point, but you brought it back to Expeditions, so let's stay hey, on track. There you go. There um, you go. My point is that, like... Game colon Scythe is a family on Board Game Geek, and both Expeditions and Scythe are categorized underneath this. So okay. it has become an overarching kind of yeah thing that overarches. Hmm. Be fun to try to get good old Jamie Stegmar on this podcast and pick his brain about if we can expect more games to come. He would not tell you. <laughs> or would he? <laughs> he wouldn't. All right, Cody. Well, why don't you get a little splaining on? A little bit of splaining? Okay. Well, Expeditions, yeah. It's like Scythe, but it's not. You know that's what? That's the this, whole game. This actually reminds me we might have to do a versus episode at some point, huh? <laughs> Ooh, Scythe versus Expeditions. Exactly. I love that. I think I already mentioned I'm, I'm scripting out a video that I'll do. Uh, that compare the two. Yeah. But um, for those, okay, maybe there's some people out there who are interested in expeditions but have never played Scythe or they may have like, only played Scythe once. Maybe they're not that familiar with it. So let's just break down expeditions for expeditions. Expeditions is an exploration-focused game where it's still basically action selection. You have a couple different actions you can take on each of your turns, but you're going to have to split between those three, cover one of the three available actions, and then take the two remaining actions. On your next turn, you're going to have to move that split. I, I think you called this a, an I split, I choose mechanic <laughs> right. at one point, which kind, kind of works, but then you're going to have to basically cover up one of the other actions and now take two the, the two remaining actions at that point. It's, it's kind of hard to explain without just looking at it. Then it makes a lot more sense. And via those actions, you're going to be moving around this massive hulking mech figurine um, around this hex grid. And this hex grid is randomized. It's not an actual board. Uh, the, the board is the table. And then you just flip over these hexagons to, to form the grid for each game. Also, I'm not sure it's a grid. What's the definition of a grid, Cody? Because to uh, me, grid is squares. I, I don't know, dude. Do you want, do you want to have a grid conversation now? What makes um, a grid? Can you, you can have a hex grid. Uh, in graphic design, a grid is a structure made up of a series of intersecting straight or curved lines used to structure content. Or curved. So if curved lines qualify, then hexes have to qualify. Intersecting straight or curved. Uh, okay, I'll allow it. Continue. All right. So I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we had that tangent. This is a hex grid with hex pieces on it. And your overall objective for the game, of course, is to get the most points, but the game ends after a player has completed four of a number of available objective options. And I think you you place your star, your fourth star, and then every player gets one remaining turn, unlike Scythe, where the game ends immediately once you place your final star. But that's that's sort of the, the beauty and the magic of the game, is 
you you can win even without completing as many objectives as the player that ends the game does. You could maybe uh, place three stars, complete three objectives, but it just means you've built your engine better. Maybe you've been playing a stall game where you're you're just kind of taking your time and building up a lot of points so that you're trying to make other people not end the game quick enough. You could also you could also actually score all four objectives, but actually get zero points for them. That's actually possible. Um, It'd be really stupid, but you could do it. No, no, you you still you get a minimum of five points per star. Oh, that's right. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Have you even played this game, Nate? Come on. <laughs> I was just bragging about how like we've played it recently. I forgot you get oh. a minimum per star, but you're missing out on yeah. a lot of points if you don't minimum put some effort of five. In. Right. But that's that's one of the contributing factors is there's these quests that you're trying to complete over the course of the game. If you complete a number of those quests, don't don't confuse quests with objectives. They're different. Quests are these specific little cards that you have, and if you complete a number of like one to three or more of them, you get in a higher scoring bracket for how many objectives you've completed. For those who have played Scythe, this is similar to the popularity track, where the higher your popularity is, you're in a better position to score more points off of everything else you've done in the game. Expeditions is just a little more streamlined in that concept, perhaps. And it even... But overall, Go ahead. That's, Finish. That's, yeah. that's the Expeditions concept. It, have I missed anything of, of import? In, of import? Um... Well, I, I was, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I was going to continue on a thought here, which is that uh, Expeditions also uses the same heart symbol that Scythe uses to basically, for basically the same concept within the game. And that's kind of reminiscent of like the, the Garfield games using similar iconography. Now, there's not as much crossover iconography here, but there is some, you know, you've got the map tokens, you've got the hearts. Like there are some things that are crossover between like as far as the iconography goes. And I like that if we're talking about a series of games, right? I like that we're kind of having some consistency. Not that it necessarily makes the game easier to learn because it's very minor things, but it's kind of a nice little crossover thing, I think. Yeah, I like that too. It it definitely plays to anyone who's played the previous game. It's like a sequel. Yeah, I don't even know if I'd say it's like an Easter egg, but you know, it's kind of like a little... Maybe it's laziness, actually. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. It doesn't have to be a positive thing, necessarily. Probably probably falls in the sequel scheme because the the point or the coin symbol is the same thing. I think even the mech symbol is the same, which you don't really see on the board anywhere. But I, I think maybe it's in the the rule book. Yeah, I, I forget else what's whatever else is a crossover. Well, along those same lines, the art is also a crossover, and it's <laughs> phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, I feel like it really comes to life in this game because you have these all these different hexes and the majority of the of the hex is taken up by a specially designed piece of art for that hex. Mm-hmm. Um, so the art is really dominating the game here and I love it. It looks amazing and it's got kind of this like horror kind of Cthulhu-y, you know, vibe to a lot Cthulhu-y. of it. And it's yeah. very it's very much in the rise of Fenris vein. You know, there's a lot of neon stuff happening. That's juxtaposed with the very dark backgrounds and bleak winter kind of, you know. And the further you go out into the board, the darker the the hexes get and all this stuff. Yeah, um, it's a very interesting vibe, and I I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. I want to. I want some movies, you know. Oh dang! If that IP could get licensed out, that would be. That potentially could be some dope films. Yeah. Yeah, and the art is not just on the hexes; it's on all the the cards too. You have this. Yeah big deck it's not a massive deck but it's it's a it's a moderately sized deck with every single card is unique and it all has unique art which is always cool when you have a completely completely unique deck of cards like that is it it is all 100 percent unique there's nothing no copies i'm pretty sure i i don't see with how everything is themed out and schemed i don't i don't see room for having duplicate cards like that and i haven't noticed any duplicate cards Yep, yep. Um, okay, uh, you wanna you wanna give a few more pros for this here? I'm sure you have. A, I'm sure you have a whole list, Cody. I have no sure. Doubt. Yeah, we can officially jump into what we like about the game. I love the mechs. Mechs are cool. They're very large. I did get the ironclad edition, so these are metal mechs and not the not the cheapo plastic that comes with the base game. Wow, very and, condescending. Yeah, and who whoever else is going to ask? No. I'm not going to paint them because I cannot paint. 
if you want to hit me up though if you want to i don't know fly or drive over to my house and paint these mechs for me i'd love that i won't pay you anything <laughs> he won't even might, reimburse your flight yeah i might let you be a guest on the show how about that Ooh, wow special right there yeah for sure don't pass this oh, up I'd, I'd have to get permission from my co-host nate nate how would you feel about well that? They, they have to paint one of my games too so you know okay <laughs> what, what what game you need to decide in advance what game do you want painted oh gloomhaven oh that's gonna take some time yeah exactly yeah. But anyway, the mechs are cool, and they're heavy. And if anyone's looked up any comparison pictures between the Scythe mechs and the Expeditions mechs, you know what I'm talking about. But the, these are called giant mechs because they are rather giant. It's still miniature, so in that sense, they're small, but they're much bigger than the Scythe mechs. <laughs> Which makes up for the fact that instead of four mechs and a character per player, you just have one single mech. There's still less less material there overall i'm sure and i do kind of miss the the variety of stuff that you get with the original side game but these mechs still do the trick also they're really just kind of i mean they're really just it's just your mover it's just your placeholder right yeah inside it's like okay we're all on the map and like there might be some combat we're vying for position we're trying to take lots of land from each other all this stuff so it's like here's my mechs coming in to take and this it's like yeah i'm moving my piece and it happens to be a mech but I'm not attacking anybody. Yeah. It doesn't really matter, you know, where I am in relation to other people. I could point my guns point. at you, but it doesn't matter, you know. These these could have been cardboard tokens and would function. Uh, yeah, the same. I'm thinking, you know, like, like um, it could have been Monopoly pieces, like little, you know, like a little Scotty dog yeah. or something. And then your game MSRP drops down like forty dollars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think it would be great to have a segment or a series or something called McGimmick or Mechanic. Hmm, okay. Where I feel like this is something that could qualify. Like, it's to the point where it probably is something of a gimmick, at least in, in advertising, but I don't care, so it's fine, because they look cool. Well, I mean, but with any game, there'll be somebody who doesn't care, right? At least somebody at the, at the company that published the game, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um. Yeah, I also like all the art. You did mention that. I like the different methods of point generation, Brothaniel. Anything, any game that allows you different ways to score points is excellent, but not just different avenues to victory, I guess, but just all sorts of, well, yeah, I guess different avenues to victory, different paths you can approach, different things you can focus on to the point where every game you play could be a little different. You might try to focus down a certain track this game and then focus down a different track the next game, you kind of realize that, oh, uh, vanquishing, you can get a lot of points off of vanquishing because every tile that you vanquish, you get two points for at the end of the game, which is a decent amount. Every item that you uh, like graft or upgrade to a uh, graft, I'm, I'm pulling some, some Dune Imperium lingo here now, <laughs> but every um, item that you upgrade and attach to your mech, uh, they come with inherent points that were worth where if you're focusing on doing other things in the game, you may not necessarily earn those points. But you know what's funny? So, what? When we played Expeditions, our, our four-player game, those two things were the things I focused on, vanquishing and upgrading. And ah. I still lost to you. So. Hmm. so Kirsten and I made this interesting mutual agreement when we were playing. We're like, okay, we just kind of want to have fun with this one. We're both going to kind of delay placement of all of our stars to end the game we just want to get really big scores and i'll i'll admit that i got a little bit lost in that and then kirsten pulled a fast one on me and ended up winning she got like over 100 points i think wow wow yeah she did really good but also of course in two-player game points it's one of these games where points are going to be there's going to be a lot more going around for everybody to take part in than in a in a four-player mm -hmm. game I don't know if that's going to have much of an impact on expeditions, though, because the game's going to take longer, but that gives each player an equivalent number of turns to potentially get an equivalent number of points. No, no, no. I'm not saying that the, the disparity will be larger. I'm saying that the actual points you score will be higher. No, that, that, that's also what I'm saying is I don't know if that's the case necessarily, because Scythe, I think that maybe is more the case because there's there's more competition for territories and territories are going to produce points at the end of the game but this one everything you're doing is very solo it's very solo but there's yeah. 
I'm thinking uh, at least from a vanquishing I the, perspective. I guess, yeah, the vanquish tokens are going to be more competitive. What else is competitive in this game, actually? Not not much. It is, is honestly, it's not much. It's more solo than side, for sure. You can... So here's a spot where it did come up is... What's different... One of the things different between expeditions and scythe is that you don't just automatically place an objective star for completing a given objective. You actually have to then be on a space and take a gather action to activate that space to let you place one of your stars. Right. Which is a, yeah. it's a, it's a little bit different. But what that also means is there are a limited number of spaces in the game that let you do that. So Kirsten, on her turn where she placed her fourth star... She she landed on the spot that I needed to go, and I wasn't close enough to any other star to like go and complete one. So she actually boxed me out, and established a few more points off of that, which is really strong. All right, well let's let's bring it back in before we get too lost here in personal anecdotes. Um... Well, that, that that's what I'm saying about <laughs> the game is you're talking about the competitive nature. I, Scythe obviously there's actual combats going on. This game is a bit more of. Uh, of a blocking mechanic. So I was going to, that's one thing I wanted to, this is actually kind of a negative thing. So maybe we'll be all over the place a bit here, but um, mm, okay. I felt like in a four player game, that is basically the, almost the only interaction is, is how much you kind of block the other people's spots. And I felt like it happened more often than I would have liked in a four player game. So what do you think about four player and how I'm guessing, obviously it was better at two, right? I don't, I don't know, dude. I know that your wife, Anna, was kind of complaining that she kept getting blocked by lots of spots. I didn't really notice that the first game that I played. And honestly, I didn't notice that much of a difference between a four-player game and a two-player game for a competition of spaces. Just because there's so many spaces and your mech speed is always up to three, so you can just you can get around the board if you need to. Yeah, It I may was... mean you have to pivot, but there's lots of places you can pivot to. I will say, like, compared to Scythe, I like having fast mechs. <laughs> it's like, um, oh, wow, yeah. I can move, like, a decent chunk across the board in one turn. Hey, and you turned down that first game. You turned down the mech that gives you a speed of up to four. Well, you I mean, I knew, nothing, I knew nothing about the game yet, Cody. And there were instances in that game where I wish, where I, wish I could have moved four. <laughs> I okay, back to the know every aspect of the game before you choose your mech. Back to the good. Um I like the action selection thing you were talking about where you are you have three options, but you have to cover one and take the other two. Um, I like that a lot. I think it's really frustrating. It can be really frustrating, but kind of in a good way, you know, where it's like, well, I kind of want to most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time you want to do all three, uh, or at least it wouldn't hurt most of the time to do all three unless you want to stay where you are. But then on the flip side is that sometimes it's like, actually, I want to stay on this spot more like longer than I'm able to. You know, and the game forces you to move after a certain amount of turns. You know, eventually you can't postpone it any longer. So I think we figured like the longest you could stall would be like three rounds before you'd be like forced to move off a of territory. Yeah, so I think so. I think it's a good little puzzle. I think it probably takes some plays to really learn how to use it effectively, but I think it's a fun. I think it's a fun thing. Definitely a, a system that is probably masterable. Something that has a lot of elements to it that you really have to think about to do well. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And that just the game in general. I mean, there's so much to explore. Like you were saying, I mean, there's there's vanquishing other tiles. That's a competitive thing. There's upgrading cards. There's meteors that you can, whatever it is, meld to your mech. Um, there's the exploring aspect. Also, you get rewarded for exploring. And so some people are going to do that more than others. There's so many different things. And then the quests also, and then all these goals you're trying to complete. There's a lot, there's a lot going on. So there's a lot to explore. Also, you know, you play it once and you're like, okay, I feel like I understand I've experienced parts of this game, but I definitely haven't experienced all of it yet. You know, needs more mm, plays. Yeah, yeah. In that sense, I like how all the cards are multi-purpose, multi-function as well, because the cards are always going to have a worker spot on them that you can activate, which you will need a specific colored worker. So that's an element in and of itself. But then they all sort of have somewhat different extra functions. So some of the cards. Their additional function is once you equip them to your mech, well, they're worth points at the end of the game. I guess that's kind of the main extra function. But then you don't have to place a worker on them to keep their ability going. Yeah. 
some of them their their ability goes away but then it gets swapped out for a one-time activation ability and those are the meteorites every time you add another meteorite you activate all equipped meteorites i felt like the the upgraded cards had mixed i felt like in general the upgrades were okay actions but they weren't incredible and maybe i think i just maybe i got maybe i made bad choices when i played and i picked bad upgrades i don't know yeah, I don't think a lot of those abilities were mega incredible either, but I think that just overall kind of describes the pace of the game. It's lots of little steps. Yeah, sure. Um, maybe we can actually jump into the dislikes because that leads me to, yeah, to go something for it. That, that I felt. Um, I don't think that the asymmetry was particularly strong in the game. Hmm. Um, may, maybe it's fine for what it was, but coming out of Scythe, all, all the sides are very different. You have not only your inherent um, faction ability, but then you have all of your mech abilities that become unlocked. You also have a starting area that's really going to define how you play the game. Whereas this, all you get is a mech, which just has one single ability that isn't particularly game-breaking. And then you're going to get a, um, a character and an accompanying companion that have compared to all the other characters and companions, very slight differences in what they do. Okay. So overall, it's it's not a particularly asymmetric game, well, and I was a little bit disappointed with that. From the outset, it isn't, right? But that's the thing, that's what differentiates this from Scythe, is that as this game goes on and goes on and goes on, you're adding so much, you get, you're collecting so many cards, you're building a tableau, you're creating worker spots for yourself, um, you're adding things to your mech that give you different abilities right and so as this game progresses you become more and more asymmetrical whereas inside it's pretty constant the whole time like you have your mech abilities that you unlock as you get mechs but in general everything that is special about you is special about you from the beginning and not much really changes from inside yeah i don't know if that really makes it an I don't think that qualifies it necessarily as an asymmetric game, though, because no. you can say that about an, any engine builder. Any engine builder, you're going to have different abilities that you slowly acquire. I guess my point is that there there aren't very many inherent asymmetric abilities. Yeah, sure. It's not like, oh, I'm playing as this faction. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. That's fair. Um, do you have? I, I have more dislikes, but I'll let you hit me up with some if you got them. Yeah, me too. Um, Probably my biggest... Well, I don't, none of them are really big. I have, I have a handful, but they're all pretty tiny things. One is that the game in general, and I've only played it once, the game feels kind of convoluted. Um, now, it's kind of, it's a pretty big game. There's a lot of different aspects that we t- like we talked about. Um, but after one play, it didn't feel harmonious in the way that some other big games do. Um, it didn't feel harmonious like Tapestry does, where it feels like everything just kind of comes together. And as long as you're... You, you still have to put an effort. It doesn't just happen magically. But, like, things, like, just click, you know? They click really well. I didn't experience that in this. And, like I said, I've only played it once. Definitely needs more plays. And, you know, that could definitely change. And, obviously, this is one of these games that the more you play, the better you're, like, you're going to, every single time you play, you're going to learn more and you're going to get better, right? Um, but just from just from one play, it's kind of like it didn't, it felt like there was some grinding of the gears in there, you know? Uh, another thing... Also is, and maybe I, I would love to hear your opinion on this. I'm wondering about the goals, you know, the star goals. There's like what? There's mm-hmm. like eight of them or seven or eight, something like that. Yeah, I um, think so. Some of them kind of seem like they might be definitely easier than others, you know? Like just collecting cards, for example, just collecting eight cards. Now, granted, that means you can't necessarily be using those. You can still be using them, though. You just can't be attaching them to your mech. You know, having eight cards or just exploring five different map tiles don't seem like particularly difficult things compared to some of the other ones. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, some of those might be scalable based on how many players there are. Like the one where if you vanquish the 20 level token, that's like only one person can do that. So obviously in a two player game, you have something like a 50% chance of doing it. Whereas in a four player game, you're down to like 25%. And then it's the same for those exploration tokens. In a four-player game, it's going to be a lot harder to get five exploration tokens because everyone's going around the board and exploring. And vanquishing. that's going to be a lot easier. Vanquishing also in general, like right? It's like vanquish uh, seven tokens or something. 
is another yeah one. yeah that's true i think everyone is still generating like a fair amount of their own personal obviously resources that they use to vanquish so but there's less available well but i guess in there, general there's there the were same a lot available, available yeah. in every game no but i mean yeah, but because it, there's four people it's more of a actual competitive thing yeah that's true if, if you're trying to get seven total yeah that's a good point um so yeah some are definitely easier than others com- compared between different player accounts and games but even so some of them are still easier to get like the getting the eight cards that you just collect some cards and don't do anything with them for a little bit just keep playing them before you start attaching them to your mac right. and you're, you're good to go yeah um but yeah definitely like attaching cards to your mech there's three different objectives you can complete doing those that takes a little bit of time well but that's the thing is they're rewarding though they give you more points than just like getting eight cards is not going to inherently give you any points other than the start see but that's the thing like you know adding four upgrades to your mech it's like okay well so you have to spend the time to get four cards and then you have to go to that back to the action four times to upgrade them it's like okay well that's eight actions right but i need to get four upgrade cards it's not like any card can be upgraded there's only certain cards that can be upgraded and then i need to find ones that are actually good for me you know that was part of the thing with like the first time i played it was like half of the upgrade cards that i actually used like didn't even help me you know Hmm. but i just was trying to get the upgrade so i could like actually get that star so it's i feel like it's almost like well maybe you'll get lucky and good ones will come out that actually play into your strategy yeah I don't think I minded that aspect as much. It just kind of feels a little bit more like play the game that you're given. Just it's a bit more of a pivot game. But I can see how that can be frustrating if you want. You like you just want good upgrades all the time, you know? Yeah. 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 Last thing for me, speaking of upgrades, uh the the ironclad mechs and their little silicone stands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take it away, Cody. They they didn't work out super well apparently jamie stegmaier is aware of this event and supposedly the manufacturer told him that after a couple of weeks they should settle and work out well um there are some forums where people recommend you just kind of manually with your hands stretch them out or even heat them up a little bit with like a warm coffee mug or something and then attach them to the mechs but the thing is the like the mechs can't be stored in the box with the tray with those molds on them you have to remove the molds every time so you don't necessarily want to like heat a mold to one specific mech each time like it's it's just going to be different so i don't know obviously i haven't played it enough only two games so far but we'll have to see over time if those molds kind of like stretch out and work a little bit better but it is pretty frustrating though when you open up uh this hundred dollar plus game I think that's I I forget exactly how much it was now. I think it was like one fifteen from Stonemeyer or something, for for the Ironclad edition. And you pull out all these nice components, and then the differentiating player color thing like won't attach to the mechs. Like that's a little that's a little uh-huh. frustrating. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, I imagine it frustrates Jamie as well. I don't know how it I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it got missed. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it's and again, it's a tiny thing, you know. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it it would be nice. Other games do this well. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, come on. And I am curious if those silicone grippy thingies work better on the plastic mechs, and maybe it's the metal mechs that's a problem. No, I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, I think so? Okay. Any other negatives for you? Yeah, I, I do have a couple more. And let me just preface, I guess, this whole dislikes list with it's 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 given away a little bit of my verdict for expedition so that i still think it's dope but when i think about scythe i can't really think of things i dislike about it and anything i might dislike about scythe is like very minor or just non-existent and so scythe is a 10 out of 10 for me 10 on the bgg but with expeditions there there are a couple things that i was a little frustrated by so the the whole tucking cards concept i appreciate that the mech the mech boards come with little uh, nubbins you can stick in the bottom of them to elevate them so it's a little bit easier to tuck cards but it barely helps like it's it's still kind of a chore trying to maintain your board and get those cards under there so that that that's a little frustrating because that's kind of a it's more of a maintenance thing but it is something that you're doing throughout the game so if you're constantly kind of annoyed by that that's going to mess with your with your game experience the board being made up of easily movable hexes, I also yeah. don't think was super great. Again, it's, I guess it's not actually a board. It's just it's just how the game is set up. But you're 
you're moving around the game, you're setting your mechs down. Maybe that doesn't like wiggle the hexes too much, but maybe if you accidentally bump one, that's going to bump all the other hexes, then you have to realign them. And two-thirds of the hexes you're exploring, so you have to land on them and flip them over. And maybe you're trying to flip over a hex that's like touching three or four other hexes in the middle of the board, then you're going to like bump all of them. So yeah, it was it was just a little frustrating. I would have preferred some sort of, I don't know, like modular board setup like Scythe was able to do, where you can kind of, you have these module elements that make up multiple hexes. And so you just kind of flip them around however you need to. So yeah. I don't o- know. Overall, th- the game felt a little more mechanically challenged. I definitely like that there's so much variety that the hexes can come out in so many different combinations. And I think that's really good because there's a lot of like, like a few of them are kind of like, depending on what's next to it, there's different effects, right? They affect things that are next to them, cards that are next to them, other tiles True. that are next to them, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it's important that they all be individual. Maybe they were just like, eh, the board's already too big, so we don't want to add like a border around the edge to contain it. You know, I don't know what it was. The good news though is that the good news is that your negative comments are more or less just about the aesthetic components, right? That's and true. The I mean, the, the biggest one I already mentioned earlier, kind of when we transitioned, but it was that I, the asymmetric nature of the game wasn't very strong. True. That's probably yeah. the, the biggest the biggest gameplay complaint I would give. Okay, okay. But yeah, otherwise they are a little more superficial. But let, let me throw this last, admittedly very superficial aspect of the game. <laughs> With the game insert, you can't store it sideways. You can't store it sideways. I don't know. It's, sometimes they fit better that way, you know? Like, you know, are it's, you, just, it's, you, it's just how it works. Like horizontal? Like, um, like you'd flip it over to where if you were to open the box, you'd have to move the lid to the right and the box to the left. Does that, does that make sense? Mm, no. You mean like a book? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like basically. A book. Like a book. Yeah. Yeah, instead of down uh, on its side. You, you can't do it that way because with the insert, the little uh, container, the tray that comes with it where you put all the coins and the workers and the exploration tokens, that just goes every which way. Like it, it's not... Well, no, it's not sealed at all. Like the whole box has an overall like plastic sleeve that goes over it to like I guess cover all the components but that individual tray I wish had some sort of lid so that you could store it any which way you wanted again minor complaint and it's fine but it's just another thing I noticed minor thing but you did dedicate 60 seconds to complaining about it hey you know (laughs) worth mentioning worth mentioning and it's been mentioned we can move on now if you want well verdict although maybe real quickly like yeah which what you got I mean overall I think it's good. I don't know if I'd say great. I think it's good. I think it deserves a lot more plays. I said this last week about Fort Gardens. I thought I thought it was an okay game and that it deserves a few more plays. I think this is a very good game and it deserves more than a few more plays. And I would mm. I would definitely love to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I landed this pretty high in my top hundo. I think it's entered at 16. I'm not sure how it's going to move. My inclination is that it's going to move down like worsen over time but we'll we'll just have really? to see beyond that yeah i i think so it, it's it's just hard to say it's hard to say i'm gonna yeah like you said i need to play it quite a few more times but that being said it did land pretty high at 16 that's a good number out of 100 and i did enjoy it it is a good game i might even venture to say it's a great game i know you're a little bit hesitant using great but i i might say that but we'll just see we'll see bro Listen, like I said, more plays, all right? More plays, and you can you can revisit it sometime in the future, Cody, and let us know if this landed as great or if it dropped down to the 20s, 30s, 40s on your list. Oh, de- definitely not 30s or 40s. That I think the <laughs> most this would drop is maybe to 20s. I mean, isn't it great then, right? Let me look at my list and see where I would define <laughs> relatively. Is it relatively great? Because <laughs> I would say anything that falls into the 20s is... I don't know. I think I'd have to use the word, I don't know, like 29. I think I'd have to use, I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're going to have to see at the end of the year how my evaluation of my entire list changes because I'm like looking down the list, like I'm looking at Architects of the West Kingdom at 26. I'm like, is that a great game? It's kind of, it's a kind of a pretty good game. But then I go down to 30, Black Angel. I'm like, well, that's a great game. So why is it below <laughs> Architects? Like, so I don't even know anymore, dude. 
Yeah, it needs a little reevaluation. Yeah, just a little bit. Well, enough about that, Nate. How about we get into our thrilling board banter for this episode? Our, yeah, our board banter. So, so it's another list, and today we're going to be talking about the top three worst games in Cody's collection. No, 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 no. <laughs> in the other's collection, not just mine. Oh, right. Although, I thought this was a. I thought this was a yeah. process of you like doing some like you know self some introspection into what you own and if you should own it, Cody. Um. I mean, I I sell games on a fairly routine basis, so I you feel do. like I'm already there, bro. <laughs> there's like there's a very like there's a very strong turnover rate in your game room. It's like yeah. when a game enters, he doesn't know when he's going to be back out on the street again. You know, it's you know, like a really bad some... foster care home. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> yeah, there, there might be some odd caveats with this too, because who knows? Maybe you picked a game that you didn't realize that maybe I didn't update my list that I don't Ooh. own anymore. But we'll, it's possible. We'll see. We'll see. But I don't think so. I think that your list is probably going to be more interesting than mine because I actually had a tough time going through your list because I haven't necessarily played all the games on your list. So the ones that were the worst, I don't think I've played. And then beyond that, you don't have a massive list. It's fairly (laughs) refined. Because Because of my situation in life, it's been pared down a little bit. Yeah. So your your list is definitely top three worst, not top three like terrible games that Nate owns. Yeah. So right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yours so, is kind yeah, of like both. So <laughs> maybe I should. Okay, thanks, dude. Maybe I should go first then, assuming sure. your list is going to be somewhat more impressive than mine. Sure. Okay. All but right. also that makes means my list is more impressive because your games are less impressive. So thanks. Yes, <laughs> I think. All right, I don't go know. for it. Okay, my number three of your worst games in your collection. And it's not a very impressive number three, but it's Blood Rage. And of course, okay. it's a, a considerable game, a famous game. But what's not very impressive about it is as a pick for a worst game. Mainly, <laughs> I just I, I had I, I had a tough time going through your list. So I just had to pick this one because I don't think it's a bad game. It's just a game that I know I don't enjoy with the very aggressive area control and moving back and forth. I think it's a quality game, but just not a game I appreciate very much. It is a stressful experience for me, and I like having fun while playing games. So that's why this is hitting your number three. Well, it's a different type of stress, right? It's direct player interaction stress instead of like just managing a puzzle stress. Yeah. Right? Because there are some very stressful games that you own, but they aren't mean, you know. So it's it's a different type it's a of stress. More, yeah, it's a more welcome anxiety, I suppose. Well, it's more manageable, right? Like, you're in True. control, mostly. Yeah, and you're not afraid of someone just pulling a fast card and then just be like, boom, like, yeah. check this yeah. thing out. I have this. You didn't well, expect that, did you, nerd? So, whether like, obviously, this game is ranked very highly, loved by many, but this is a personal list, right? It's a very subjective list. And also, the games that I've picked for you are all very popular games. Because, um, in general, you don't own, you don't really own crap, Cody, you know? I got to give it to you. <laughs> Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. However, in my opinion, like I have no interest in playing any of these games again, and I don't like them. So, you know, okay. kind of a, so everyone's going to be upset at your list, is what I'm thinking. So my number three, my number three, maybe I might, I might break some hearts on this. Um, my number three is a game that possibly has never been mentioned on the podcast. Actually, uh, this is Century Golem Edition. Um, listen, it's kind of a cute game. All right, I'll give it that. It's a, I have no respect for it because it's just a reskin. Like, it's a retheme of the exact same game, Century Spice Road. And so it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a cheap, like, cash grab in that sense for me. So that makes me, but as far as, like, the actual game itself, for me, it's way too simple, way too straightforward. Um, you know, it's just like collect some jewels and then buy some cards, you know? It's not, it's not very, not very interesting game. So I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know how long it's been since you've even played it, but. Like I we I played it once and I was like yeah never never again that okay. <laughs> yeah I don't particularly enjoy it I don't think it's a terrible game but it is one that I just keep on hand as an easy game to play with new gamers that's fair but how how many of category. those games do you own uh, probably, uh, I don't know like four or five maybe okay okay because I yeah I would say like for me. I think it's I think it's good to have at least a couple games in your collection that are accessible to people who haven't really played games. Um, 
I think that's important to be able to play with people that don't really play hobby games. But I would definitely never own more than a couple of those because they aren't games that Anna and I would probably play very much with each other. Yeah, so. it's, it's not something you want to collect for sure. Right, right. But other people may want to. And you know what? More power to them. But the thing is, these are games that I didn't purposefully collect to have as an intro game for people. They're just games right. that I thought might be good and then wasn't super impressed by. But it's like, ah, well, it's a pretty light game. I can use this to, to teach yeah. new peeps. All right. Yeah. All right. My number two, uh, getting a, a little more realistic here. Uh, Dale of Merchants. Yeah, I, I figured this would be on here. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's a deck builder where in a weird way, building your deck doesn't really matter. It matters <laughs> in some senses. But most deck builders, you're getting rewarded with points based on what you accumulate in your deck. Not so in Dale of Merchants. It's just a race. It's just a it's just a fake reskinned race, you know? Here's, Maybe here's, not reskin. It's it's a it's a race. It's it's a game in disguise. It's a game in disguise. So you mean it's a race <laughs> in disguise as a game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's a it's a it's a sad excuse for a deck builder. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, so it's definitely a deck builder. But I, I think maybe maybe it falls more into the category of like deck management because you're trying to maximize like in a way you're not just trying to collect the best cards. It's like you want to use the cards you get very efficiently. Like the less cards you have in your deck at the end of the game, the more efficient you were in the game if you won. <laughs> if you lost, you're probably just terrible. Um, but I can un- like it's weird. You know, it's it's definitely not a normal deck builder it's a weird twist i will admit yeah it's it's all about it's getting the cards out of your deck onto the table which yeah. is weird and then leaving them there but it's a fun balance because you have to get cards out of your deck in order to like you know continue in the race but you have to keep bringing cards into your deck and they need to be the right cards that work with the ones that are still in your deck 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 yeah yeah it's an interesting take on deck building for sure but I've pl- I played it a couple times with you and just not not really for me, bro. Well, you know it's not an interesting take on ratchet movement, Cody. What? Takedo. Takedo? Yeah. This game sucks, man. <laughs> this game's terrible. It's like listen, okay, it's like sure it's like a nice like calming experience for people. They like the the art or whatever. They like the minimalist like, "Hey, here's the picture of the box." Like picture of the art, it's like super tiny on the cover of the box and the rest is just white. Like some people like that. That's fine if it calms them down whatever but the game is boring like uh, it's just like collect some stuff and move on a track it's like it's like barely better than like a roll and move like you have more control over where you move but there's still nothing interesting happening throughout the whole game yeah it's tight it's tight <laughs> it's tight is this even in your top 100 cody please tell me it isn't i'll be really oh, of course sad it is. Oh, yeah i'm gonna guess like 50 something oh that is uh... such blasphemy where is it? So terrible, Cody. Uh, it's 60. Number 60. Yeah. No, no. Not, yeah, not, bad. not that good of a game. Granted, it's been quite a while since I played it, and I don't know how often I'm going to pull this out, but it makes me happy. So suck Cody, it, dude. If you play this again in the next year, please let me know, because I will be genuinely shocked. Especially because okay. it doesn't play well at 2, either. That's why mm-hmm. they made a duo version. Yeah, I guess it is better as three or more. But I also don't want to get to Kato Duo because it's ranked like really terribly. Well, also, apparently it's not any more complex than the base game. It's just like better. It just works better at two, basically. Yeah. Literally just the, the two version. All these other games, you know, Splendor Duel and Seven Wonders Duel, they're like, they're, they're, mag- they're, like, they're designed for two players, but they also are more complex than the base game and more strategic. And I've heard that Takedo Duo basically really isn't. Or if it is, it's just a really small step. So, and this this needs a big step to be even worth playing. So, Hey, to each his own. That's what this and that's list why is. we're making this list. That's what every list is, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> it's why we I'm, do that. I'm, I'm a little disappointed by both of our lists so far. I hope that maybe someday we can redo this once we have more sizable collections. And sure. then we can really just be riffing on but the other But the thing person. is, if we're always collecting good games, then it, it'll never really be super applicable how about we could eventually do like top three worst games the other person introduced us to so they don't necessarily still have to own that game okay that's that's there's gonna be a lot of memory in that cody (laughs) a lot of memory (laughs) well you just got you just got to go through your list of games you've played and just 
try to remember who introduced you to. Yeah. (laughs) All right. This is my my number two is getting way too long here. So. All right. My number one. We're we're playing again on the deck building train, and this is more of an atrocity than the previous one. Lord of the Rings, the deck builder, (laughs) Fellowship of the Ring, deck builder. (laughs) This can barely be on your list because it it spent time in your collection as well. (laughs) It did, but not not for long. This is a deck builder where you don't play the game, Nate. The game plays you, son. That's I have what it is. No rebuttal. Again, for it's that. the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And there's a little asterisk right at the end of that prayer. It's and this all just refers to Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring deck building game. Listen, all fair criticisms, Cody. Really, I have nothing. I have nothing <laughs> contrary to say to what you're saying. Other than that, sometimes you just need an experience where the game plays you. Nah, <laughs> just nah. Um, but no judgment, really. I mean, no judgment. Yeah, we've talked about this game before. It was was this a game of the week at one point? Hmm. No, I don't think so. Was it? No, it almost was. It might have been on the schedule, and then we like, it got demoted and demoted, and now it's like not even on the schedule. So, I mean, it's it's fun with it being Lord of the Rings, and that's cool. And there is no card art in the game because they're all just just movie screenshots. Is all it is. Yeah, it's a very cheap, tastefully done screenshot. Honestly, I think I acquired this at Grocery Outlet. Not even kidding. So. It's that what? kind of. It's that kind of. Nah. It's one of these like reject things that just ends up in a discount grocery store, you know. You, you didn't actually get this at a grocery outlet, did I you? I actually think I did. I'm not they don't even, even sell kidding. board games. What no, are you but talking they, about? They, sometimes they have these like random things that circulate through. It's, I'm pretty sure, man. I know it sounds wow, wrong. That... I know it sounds weird. Like, Lord of the Rings deck building was already down there, but this just, like, makes it pathetic. <laughs> it's a grocery that's outlet where you edition, found it. Man. was a grocery outlet, a place that doesn't even sell board games. <laughs> All right. That, that's fair. That's fair. All right, then. My number one. Can you guess my number one? You probably could. Your number one for my list? What's the Blitz worst Craig, game you own, Coney? Worst game I own. To go through my... Go in my head through my list. What could you possibly despise? Ooh. Well, wait. Does this have to be a game you've played? What? Uh, yes. How, how could I include something I haven't played? Well, I mean, I, I would allow you to make fun of Catan the Dice game if you wanted to make that <laughs> the first one. <laughs> no, no, no. As a matter of integrity, I couldn't include something on this list that I haven't played. Okay. This is Palomori's Blitzkrieg. Oh, so I, I said that. You didn't you say said anything. That? Oh yeah, I said no. Blitzkrieg. I must have talked. I must have talked over you, which, okay. to be fair, probably happens more often than it should in this podcast. Yeah, pr- pretty but. frequent here in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blitzkrieg, man. I mean, it's, it hasn't been that long since we talked about the miserable experience that was Blitzkrieg, and I maybe had fun. that was nice. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Maybe I just had like one. Maybe it was just a one-off bad experience, but it's kind of just draw pieces out of a bag and see what you get. You know, like. Sure, there's some tactical placement, but it all depends on what you draw. And there's not really any bag building. Like, there kind of is, but there really isn't. There's a few special pieces that you can acquire and toss into your bag and probably never draw out because I never did. So, it's a lot of luck and a lot of pain and a lot of anger. And you could probably insert really any other negative emotion. I've played this like three times now, and each game I've not felt like it was a luck-based experience. I I thought it was what? a lot of, yeah. I mean, sure, sure. There's the the luck of maybe the value of tokens you draw, but it's like, well, okay, just go on the industry space and have more options to work with, and just better better your odds. And then it's all about trying to def- figure out this mind game of where to go, of which theater to focus on, which uh, which ones you're going to try to max out or just mess with the other person. So, you know, to me, it's, I, I think I think there's a lot of ways to counteract the luck of the game. To me, it feels like a it feels like a disappointing prototype. Like if I was trying to come up with like a two player area control, this was my first prototype. I'd be like, I'd sit back, I'd scratch my head and I'd go, OK, well, maybe there's an idea here, but it needs a lot more work to actually be something that people are going to want to play. 
Now, obviously, I'm wrong because this game is very highly rated and people enjoy it. And maybe the flip side with Godzilla and stuff is better. I don't know. It seems more interesting. The Japanese side seems more interesting. But yeah, I don't know. It's just a huge miss for me. Do not I'm thinking you. I'm thinking you're just a sore loser, bro. I, I think you just couldn't take that 27 to 4. You're like, this is stupid. I'm thinking you just wanted to mention it again in case people didn't hear it yeah. on the other episode. <laughs> hey, dude, you got you to gotta be more like your bro Cody over here, you know? You got to... It's like we played Battle Lord that one time, and I won. And at the end, I was like, this is a dumb game. You know, you got to have that integrity. Uh, yeah. Okay. Blitzkrieg sucks. <laughs> All right. Um... Yeah, we should revisit this at some point in the future when we've done more collecting and I have worse games because <laughs> Blood Rage yeah. was on your list. So Yeah, keep getting bad games. Too. I mean, I'm sure like Dear Lord or something like that would have made the list, sure. but I just haven't played it. So That's fair. And I, I, I know that Dear Lord would be on the list if you had played it. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Or Claim, for example. <laughs> claim the game that i couldn't even explain on the podcast i just like gave up it was impossible yeah it's a noble effort no it's just sad it's just sad yeah and remember the best sequel of all time is still johnny english reborn hey listeners welcome back to the after show, which isn't much of a show at all, but we're still here. Nate, say hi. I'm thinking I'm thinking our next list needs to be of higher quality than this list. We need a banger next time, Cody. Well, let me just say that you're the one who selected this banter for, for yeah. this week, so yeah, I don't accept the responsibility. 